Welcome to the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. All we do is change lives. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. And today I am joined by a very good friend of mine, a who I would deem to be a guru <laughs> and a nutritional expert and uh, a very good, very good coach um, who I'm uh, extremely honoured to, to not only um, talk to, but to consider a very close friend of mine, and that is Mr. Dan Osman. Hello, Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for the very kind intro. I'm definitely sure none of that's true, but thank you anyway. <laughs> that's all right. How's things? You good? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, good. It's good to catch up. Good man, good. Well, uh, just so that people know, Dan and I have been friends for, oh, blimey, two or three years now. And uh, we first met, was it Body Power? Was it just before, wasn't it? It was just before Body Power, yeah. I think it we was, what's that? We were, we were planning a little bit of a, a business venture, weren't we? Which fell through in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, we, we won't talk way any further. But um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's how Dan and I, we met first online and uh, become very close friends. And uh, Dan and I kind of share a very similar um, passion. That's obviously fitness and health and uh, coaching clients. And uh, Dan does very, very... Dan, your, your speciality is kind of um, strength and conditioning work, isn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, that was my background. Um, I've kind of been in the fitness industry for about 10 years now. I started, I like to think I did my time at the, the horrible stuff, wiping down sweat off people's machines as a fitness instructor when I was at uni. Um, did my PT, did my, my strength and conditioning all the UKSCA and um, my postgrad in um, performance nutrition as well. So when I said the word guru, it's certainly very relevant to you. Dan is extremely, extremely knowledgeable and experienced. And uh, like I said, someone I turn to for help and guidance uh, certainly helped me out in the past as well. So then I have a bit of common ground. We, we both share the same kind of clientele in the sense that uh, Joe Public looking to uh, get fitter, get healthier, lose a bit of body fat, change the body composition. And, um, and as a result, certainly have a lot of common ground to, to, to speak about. So we, we often... We often come across similar things online or similar things in the industry, and we, we like to catch up every now and then, every couple of weeks, and have a bit of a banter and have a, have a good catch-up in terms of industry news. And, and one of the things that we like to do is uh, we like to have a little bit of a moan every now and then, a little bit of a, a, a rant, don't we, Dan? Never. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was quite relevant this week because uh, something, something came up on my radar yesterday and uh, which kind of annoyed me, kind of uh, uh, irritated me, and uh, I shared it with Dan, and uh, I think we were very similar in agreements on this. So, yeah. I think today's episode is we, we're going to cover this particular topic now, and uh, we're going to bat some ideas across um, and try and dispel some myths and try and teach a little bit further on education. It's very similar to podcast number four, which I did, which is on the um, what's the difference between flexible dieting and if it fits your macros. And um, I think what we'll do is we're going to go into a little bit more detail now, a bit more of a real-world side of things rather than specifically focusing on one in particular. Um, we'll focus on now on the general, the general macro argument and uh, why some of it doesn't work and why some of it's actually rubbish and how it's actually causing more confusion. How does that sound, Dan? Yeah, perfect. I mean, probably first off to establish is there is a massive difference between if it fits your macros and flexible eating, which I think a lot of people confuse. 
Let, let's talk about that now, Dan. So, so let me play the, vig, vi, the village idiot. What is flexible dieting and what is if it fits your macros? If it fits your macros, I guess, was proposed initially that you can eat any sort of, well, perceived nutrient-dense food or any sort of nutrients, processed or otherwise, and if it fits in with your daily macronutrient requirements, you can eat it, whether that's a donut, ice cream, chocolate bar, the odd chicken breast here and there. If it fits in, you can eat it. And flexible, I would define as just having an understanding of what your protein, fat, and uh, carbohydrate needs are for the day and within that making you know common sense smart choices with that you know healthy lean meats for example vegetables uh, good source of carbohydrates that sort of thing and with a a small proportion smaller proportion probably five percent making up those little things that you can slip in here and there absolutely i I couldn't agree more and i think this is where the 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 notion of clean versus non-clean kind of stems from is this notion that flexible dieting is about being clean and if it fits your macros, it's kind of dirty, if you like. Whereas flexible dieting isn't just being clean. It's being sensible, and it's about moderation. I think, as well. Sorry? It's a bit more about being realistic, as well, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't want to go through life never having a chocolate cake again, or never having a slice of pizza. I mean, that would just be retarded. Um, so flexible dieting gives you that kind of option to, the majority of the time, you know, 80 85% of the time eating good nutritious food but if you fancy a chocolate cake or you fancy a slice of pizza or you fancy a donut you can have it because you yeah. can make it kind of work within your profile absolutely you know and it's well, very goal dependent as well I think um, you know it's not a physique competitor you know on the run up to a show it's just nine times out of ten it's just someone that wants to lose a little bit of body fat Absolutely. And I think, again, like flexible dieting, if it fits your macros, there's a, there's a transition period here because, you know, Joe Public doesn't have a nutrition background. They don't know what macros are. So there's an education side of things here. And uh, so, you know, when we take on clients, you know, we may start with a meal plan, for example, while we educate them on nutrition and knowledge and therefore eventually get them over to a flexible approach. Um, but I think, again, this is something I covered off in podcast number four is the idea that flexible dieting and if you fix your macros, you know, I would always choose flexible dieting if I was going to choose out of those two, but it's client dependent. You know, some, yeah. some people can't handle flexible dieting. No, I mean, some people like the structure of a rigid plan and, um, but, you know, from personal experience and also experience from my clients, that's normally the recipe for disaster. I mean, anyone can adhere to a, a set program for, you know, six, eight, 12 weeks, but you know, what happens after that period? Absolutely. And this is where the, the, the knowledge and education comes in. If someone is emotionally stable and, um, and doesn't have you know, a background of eating disorders or kind of a, a huge emotion connection with food, then flexible dieting is usually a good option. It's certainly a lifestyle approach. But again, we, we, we're dealing with clients that typically are kind of overweight, if not obese, a lot of them anyway. And uh, we, we have this emotional side of things. So flexible dieting isn't always isn't always an option for those people, certainly in the, in the short term. No, and I think in terms of having a healthy relationship with food as well is, you know, although it can be seen that, you know, you're having your five structured meals a day with a good source of protein, carbohydrates and fats there, it's good to eyeball and quantify what you're eating to a certain degree, but I don't think living by the numbers is a healthy approach either. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And in fact, um, uh, uh, another coach in the industry, which you and I are both uh, fans of, is Phil Lerney. Is uh, he's he's moving kind of more 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 away from this constant need to tr- 
track and calculate macros and you know this lifestyle approach that 99 percent of the people in the world can do is kind of eat when you're hungry but when you are hungry eat well educated choices absolutely um, yeah but it's getting to the point of education choices that's i think that's where we all need to get to is understanding that you know eating steak and sweet 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 fed fries isn't going to make us fat you know, we can eat these foods in proportion, in moderation, and you know, when we feel fed up, stop eating. It's it's kind yeah. of we have to get to the point where we can listen to our body. I think it's lots to do with as well. You know, certain macronutrients specifically have been demonised over the years. You know, carbohydrates and fats, for example. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure it's an actual phobia as such but carb phobia definitely I, I know i've suffered from that in the past probably in my university years you know carbs make you fat they're the devil surely yeah yeah no and i can completely relate i, I too have suffered very very similar phobic uh, if you like and, and again i think there's 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 this evolution path you know when uh when people are starting any kind of journey any kind of nutritional journey um an exercise regime it kind of gets to the point where you do understand your body. You start listening to your body and realizing that these foods and these macros and are, are kind of not the devil. It's about moderation and it's about portion control and caloric intake. Uh, yeah, no needs for your body. Absolutely. And your goals. Yeah. So, with this in mind, then let's talk about this this topic which came up yesterday. So, um, I'm not going to name names, but this uh, this this fitness model guy posted um, uh, a blog. On, the, on his Facebook, and uh, I'll read it out now. Essentially, what it is is a it's a it's a picture with a Big Mac versus a Pret a Manger um, uh, salad. And what he's done is he's listed out the macronutrients for the Big Mac, uh, which is protein twenty six grams, carbs forty two grams, fat twenty three grams. It works out to be about four hundred and sixty seven calories. And then compared to the salad, which has got a sauce, uh, he's listed the protein is twenty grams. The carbs 43 grams and the fats 24 grams and the calories are 468. So almost kind of like for like, the protein's a little bit off, but almost like for like in terms of macro profiles. And uh, the the post reads, uh, your body does not recognise food as clean or cheat. Uh, on the left we have a Big Mac, a meal that I'm pretty sure clean eaters would refer to as not clean. On the right we have a Pret-a-Manger salad. I'm not sure if this counts as clean, as the definition is completely arbitrary, but most clean eaters would recognise this food as clean. As you can see, the macronutrient profiles of the two foods are very similar, but we all know the salad is better for you, question mark. Well, no. As long as the guy eating the Big Mac is getting sufficient fibre and macronutrient from the rest of their diet, then these two meals would be metabolised as essentially the same. If anything, the Big Mac... <laughs> sorry... If anything, the Big Mac would be marginally more protein. Is probably the better option if your goal is building muscle. Do you agree or disagree? Now it's an interesting post because my initial my initial reaction to this, Dan. First of all, you tell me what your initial reaction to this is. Um, it's just there's too many variables that that influence that, and yeah, it's just it's. I think it's almost negligent to put that sort of information out there because, you know, it also depends on a client's start point. I'm not saying no one should ever eat a burger, but if I tell a, a client of mine who's two, three stone overweight that they can fit a burger into their diet, then they're going to make up the largest proportion of their diet with burgers. Absolutely. 
Um, and that's, you know, first off, that's implying a calorie is a calorie, which is that's just a whole other debate within close quarters. We can test that. You can't ignore the, the laws of thermodynamics in terms of what goes in and what goes out. But, you know, digestion rates, um, rates, um, our body expenditure over, over the day, um, our BMI, all those things influence our activity levels. There's just too many things there to account for. So, no, I, I 100% don't agree with that post. Yeah, and, and, and likewise. I think the only saving grace to this post is this guy has put the sentence, as long as the guy eating the Big Mac is getting sufficient fibre and micronutrient from the rest of their diet. Because that, 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 in a way, that's a good sentence to put in, okay? Because what he's kind of hinting at here is the fact that if the rest of their diet, the majority of their diet is okay, then eating a burger is not a problem. And, and, and that's kind of, that, that's a good message, in a sense, because that's about moderation. However... People aren't going to take note of that sentence. You and I, Dan, we're going to read that sentence and go, okay, you know what? If the majority of the rest of this guy's diet is getting sufficient fibre and micronutrient from good, in commas, clean food, mm. then it's okay every now and then to have a Big Mac. You know, it certainly wouldn't be my choice, you know, with trans fats and, um, and, and the like. But people aren't going to take notice of that. People are going to focus on the fact that this guy, who's a fitness model, his profile photo is him half naked with abs. He's promoting the fact here that the Big Mac and the salad are almost like for like in terms of food choices. Now, you pointed out a very good point here. You know, if if I go to one of my clients who's four stone overweight and said, You have these two food options, which you're gonna choose, of course they're gonna go for the Big Mac. Because that's what they're used to. That's in there, that's ingrained in their kind of lifestyle at present, which is what we're trying to trying to remove and trying to change we're trying to change their lifestyle so that the food choices of a big mac aren't don't become regular food choices they become irregular they become part of a moderation so the issue that we have here is when it boils down to micronutrients and this is where we get into what's called nutrition so the micronutrients of a salad it's going to be filled with vitamins and minerals fiber salts electrolytes and all these type of things are fantastic for our body so we're going to metabolise that, digest it, and soak it all up and enjoy it. Whereas, can you tell me what the minerals and vitamins are in a Big Mac? I mean, there's a few leaves of lettuce in there, but, I mean, we've all seen the photo of a Big Mac that's been left to, to, to well, I say rot, but has been left on the side for three years and it hasn't changed. And that's due to the fact that it has no enzymes. The enzymes have been completely removed from the food so it can last as long as possible. Yeah, increases shelf life, totally. Absolutely. So that we get to this point now where we've got these superfood giants who are actually processing food specifically so they don't rot, so that they can increase the shelf life, so they can sell more burgers. So if we're eating food that doesn't have enzymes and that doesn't rot, what do we possibly think we're going to get from this in terms of nutrition? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're not going to get anything. Like literally almost nothing. So this is where we focus on macronutrients and we're, we're not focusing on micronutrients. So micronutrients are so, so they're almost, I would say they're almost as important as macros because micronutrients, micronutrients are embedded into the macros and we should take note of the macros because that's what builds up our caloric profile. But it's what's in those macros, which is so vitally important. No, I couldn't agree more, Dan. Um, yeah, that's why, you know, there's just no way you can even suggest that your body processes Big Mac the same way it does a superfood salad. You know, if I'm in a caloric surplus of a Big Mac a day or a superfood salad a day, the way my body looks two weeks down the line is going to be totally different between the two. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't agree more. And I kind of I made this um I made a, a comparison in in the in the last podcast about if it fits your macros of flexible dieting where I mentioned about genetic freaks, and I mentioned uh, this notion that with Hussein Bolt, for example, you know if we're talking about body composition rather than performance, ignore performance, body composition. Someone like Gen- Hussein Bolt is a genetic freak. We all know this. The guy's insane. Um, and therefore, from a body composition point of view, he could probably get away with something like if it fits your macros. Yeah. Because he's, he's got this genetic profile, this hormone stability, this metabolic profile, which allows him, really, he could kind of abuse his body in terms of macros and, and get away with it for a, re- a relatively long time, I would imagine. Whereas if you take someone like myself... And Dan, you know my history. You know, I'm not a genetic freak. I don't have this background of hormone stability or certainly not um, uh, metabolic stability, you know, because I, I, there was a period where I abused my body, you know, through lack of education and effort, really. So I've got this kind of, this ground where if I, if I started eating a Big Mac every day, I'm going to start to significantly change my body composition. Just purely because of the fact that I just can't, live off food like that like I could do with a nice healthy salad with a uh, slice of chicken breast in it yeah yeah it totally depends on everyone's start point as well and I just think unfortunately because we live in a society of extremes um, as you said if uh, I could name a few of my clients which I'm not going to by the way but um, that would read that and they would just look at the pictures and they would just take that as I can substitute a Big Mac for a superfood salad. There is no grey area in between. It's either I can live off Big Macs or I can't. And that's how, unfortunately, how people who interpret that post. And I've almost now kind of... When I read stuff now, I've got a, a phrase in my mind, which I, I've adopted. It's never trust a guy with abs. Because <laughs> I get to the point now where a lot of these articles are reading are guys who kind of got sits back, they're shredded bra... And, you know, they've competed maybe once or twice or they've, you know, been in a magazine or done a photo shoot, whatever it may be. And they look great. Don't get me wrong. These guys have got great bodies. But, you know, you and I are the first ones to kind of admit and recognize that getting down to that kind of level of conditioning is not something you can maintain. It's not something to even promote and be relatively proud of or certainly associate with health. Exactly. Well, um, the irony of it is that's in the promotion of health, but everything about being at that level is unhealthy pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's a point in which we cross the line, isn't there? There's a point in which we can get to a certain body fat percentage, look good, feel good, and maintain. But that's not what this industry deems as being a reflection of a fitness model. No. A reflection of a fitness model has got to be sub 8% body fat, seeing veins going through their chest and through their abs and kind of, you know, this, this, this Adonis look. Whereas that's not healthy. That's not achievable. Well, it is achievable, but it's not realistic to maintain. And this is where we get, you know, guys who you and I both know very, very well who are kind of going through, you know, serious health issues because they've kind of got to the point where they've gone through so many of these um, diets, so many of these competitions, where and, and now they're kind of suffering for it. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Um, and actually, you know, just through talking to people in the industry, there's, if you look at the similarities between, you know, Joe Bloggs, who's two, three stone overweight, and those well-known superstars that walk around at single-figure body fat, a lot of their insecurities are pretty much the same. You know, they've all got, yeah. un, they've both got an unhealthy relationship with food. They're both mass, massively insecure about how they look. Um, so there's quite a lot to be said there. What we want to find is somewhere in between, hopefully, Absolutely, absolutely. 
grey area again that um, no one likes to believe in. When I, Dan, when I did my, my, my seminar last month, there's a, one particular slide, and I use photos of myself um, because I, I, don't, I don't want to use photos of other people who I don't get permissions from, but there's a photo of me when I was overweight, and there's a photo of me just before my competition when I was super, super lean. And I've put kind of a question mark, kind of where is happy? And on the left-hand side, under this photo of me when I was overweight, I've put um, lethargic, uh, insecure, um, always ill, um, yeah, overweight, uh, weak, unfit, etc. And then this photo of me when I'm really lean, I've put insecure, um, uh, weak, always ill. You know, and the similarities are almost kind of, it's almost like for like, if you like. You know, the, you know, the person hasn't changed. Just their body composition has changed, but mm. there's an extremity there. There's two extremes, and they share, as you pointed out, they share huge amounts of similarities. And where we want is we want somewhere in the middle. We want a, a, a life where we can we can be happy with ourselves. We can be strong. We can be confident. We can be, you know, feel good in our clothes. Excuse me, but ultimately feel good about ourselves. And I think this is this is the grey area. The health and fitness industry should be about this 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 idol in the middle. It shouldn't be. This guy who's super lean, shredded, and ripped. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't think people see that on a magazine cover, for example. They don't realise the sacrifices that go along with that. I mean, you've competed as well, so you know the the social miss social occasions as the counting every sort of macronutrient possible, weighing your protein powder. You know, there's everything in there on the lead up to it. So it does come with your sacrifices to look that way. And you know, if that's your life and that's something you can adhere to, then great, good for you. But that is not for everyone. But unfortunately, that is what Joe Public aspires to be like. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we glamorise it, don't we? Yeah. You know, and I think you and I are guilty of this, you know, to some extent, and certainly the vast majority of the fitness world are to some extent. You know, when we're super lean and, you know, we've got our abs out and stuff, you know, how many selfies do we take and how uh, how, how many smiles do we have? And... Sorry? Speak for yourself, Wheeler. <laughs> We've only got to look at my Instagram. <laughs> but it might, the, the, you know, this is this is because we glamorise it, um, and I think I think this is where this is where the issue is. And you know, just coming back to the topic here about this Big Mac versus salad scenario, this is being promoted from a guy who looks great, who's in good condition. Yeah. You know, and it's this notion that he's got. I think he had six thousand followers on his Facebook, whatever he has. So he's kind of promoting this article and this kind of notion that a Big Mac is as good as a salad, if not as he's put, if your goal is to build muscle, it's better it's crazy, because it's almost like this guy with a six pack is eating a Big Mac and, and it's fine yeah. and the 99% of the people out there who don't know any different, I'm going to believe this mm. this this is the problem that we have, isn't it? And it's, it's not just, the, you know, this isn't just, you know a little Facebook post to kind of dismiss and go away from, this is this is this is prevalent within our industry this is there are so many naive stupid coaches out there who are putting information out like this who shouldn't because it is the the single reason why this country is confused confused about which diet is right for you let us take all the stress away and design you a fully bespoke life-changing plan all we do is change lives danielwheeler.co.uk yeah definitely and i you know i think to a large degree i'm definitely more conscious about what i put out there now is that you're almost i guess in i don't don't mean to sound arrogant you're almost in a position of power those people that look up to you especially working in the fitness industry and that you know another one of mine which is slightly off topic but i mean posting 
using the word cheat aside, posting pictures of your 10,000 calorie cheat meals or cheat days, not everyone can metabolize that. And, you know, there are other variables that come into that. But posting that stuff out there is I will get clients then ask me, say, I've read on so-and-so's page, they got away with eating 10,000 calories on Sunday. Why can't I do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And again, because what they do is they, they, put the, they put their meal up there, but they don't explain... The, they don't explain the why and the how and the reasons behind yeah. it. They don't, they don't explain for the last two weeks they've been in a mass caloric deficit and their body's absolutely starving. They've pushed, their, their, they've pushed it to the limit such to an extreme that their body's crying out for food and their, met- their metabolism is so downregulated that this cheat meal is actually serving a purpose. It's actually trying to stimulate a, a metabolic drive. It's trying to stimulate some hormonal reactions. It's actually going to benefit them in the long run, but they don't explain any of that. Yeah, and it sounds like the the cop out expression, but it's all about context, really. Yeah, yeah, it is one hundred percent. As you've just stated, if you are walking around in single digit body fat and you've been in a caloric deficit for that time, you know, to a certain degree, it does serve a purpose. But sometimes it comes across as just bragging, almost. This is what I can eat. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It, it is. And do you know what? And it, I look like this. Yeah. It, it got. To, I put something on Twitter actually last week about this because I saw again another fit pro. He put up um, a, a fit pro. He put up a, um, a post about his cheat meal, and it was a. Have you seen those uh, donut burgers? You can get now. I haven't. Am I missing out? <laughs> it's a. It's. I think it's a Krispy Kreme donut burger. So the buns are replaced for a glazed bur- a glazed donut. That sounds like diabetes in a mouthful. It's crazy. And then he had sweet potato fries smothered with chilli and cheese and a big um, milkshake. And the burger was three burgers with layered with bacon and cheese. And, I mean, it was, a, it was an obscene meal. I mean, it was crazy. And he kind of put this up. And next to the photo of his cheat meal was a photo of his abs, kind of you know, an hour after he's eaten with the veins calling up his abs and stuff. And th- this is where the context is. Because what people are seeing is they're seeing the guy with sub six, sub eight percent body fat, whatever it may be, utterly shredded, looking in, in good condition, but saying that he eats this. But he hasn't posted up the last three weeks of his food. Yeah. He eats six days, six times a day, seven days a week. They haven't. He hasn't posted up the three hours a day of cardio he does. He hasn't posted up the four, five workouts he does that week. He hasn't posted up the the other supplements, shall we say, in inverted commas. Now, none of that is put into the context, but all he's doing is showing his people that people who look up to him for information, motivation, and education that he's eating this and looks like that. Yeah, I mean it's madness. No, I just think yeah, it's, you know, I don't think it's an intentional thing that people put that stuff out there, and you know, they probably don't see it as being irresponsible. But yeah, having to explain that to people without giving. It, it is almost irresponsible, though, mate, isn't it? Because because you and I are the ones that are then having to explain this to our clients. Because our clients follow us online, but they also follow people that we follow, and they'll also eventually be exposed to other people in the industry and these people like this who are putting up the Big Mac and the, and the salad food. And it's almost like we, we we then have to answer those questions and explain these situations countless endless times. So it is almost you know it's it, it, it's almost like you could kind of compare it to should I say this? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to say it. You could almost compare it to a rock and roll star posting a photo of a line of cocaine. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've, you've seen the photos of Kid Rock and he's put loads of stuff like that on, online. And it's almost like that's irresponsible, sure. You know, we should never be promoting Class A drugs. I mean, that's just crazy. But 
put it into context and then compare it to a fitness model who's bragging about you know Mac, uh, McDonald's, where does the health line? Where's the health line here? Yeah, I, you know these people are in a position of power, and I do agree with that. And um, you know it's sad to say that most of us live our lives online now, and everyone has access to the internet. And actually, again, slightly off topic, but I saw a young girl; she couldn't have been more than seven or eight, arguing with her dad in the supermarket the other day because she wanted to buy SlimFast. <laughs> because you read in a magazine that's going to help her lose weight. Oh Why is God. a seven or eight year old conscious about her weight? It's just, it's it's crazy. This world we live in, but um, it's ingrained into us. It's everywhere. Uh, you scroll through your Facebook timeline. There's, you know, I feel insecure scrolling through my fa- Facebook timeline, and like to think I can get myself in relatively good shape. But um, what do, what you know? What does someone two three stone feel like when they see that? Yeah. You know, make sure, if you're on your own little journey anyway, you're going to be slightly despondent. You're going to be slightly fed up with things aren't moving as quickly as you'd like, and why can't I do that? And everything that goes with it. So I think it's just understanding the psychology behind it some of the time as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I said this as well in the sense that you know the difference between a good coach and a great coach is the understanding of the emotional side of eating, empathy. Well, just empathy in general. I think hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's all very well kind of having the tools and the scientific background and all that, but unless you can empathise with people and understand them and connect them on their level, then, you know, what's the point? And um, I can give you two examples. Some of those academic people I know are also the, the worst at communicating. They simply can't communicate with their athletes, their clients, whatever. Um, it's just it's, it's just shocking sometimes. Um, at the same time, when I was at university, I mean, when I studied coaching, there was always that question, um, coaching, art or science. And it was always one that I always really sat on the fence with because obviously you need that scientific understanding and the background, but it's actually the older I get and probably I think the more experienced I get, it's, it's probably more of an art. Is that you, you need that scientific background, but actually it's the, the art of coaching. Absolutely. It's almost like if you were to... <sighs> If you were to compare it to an artist, you can almost compare like the science is understanding that the pencil has lead in it and what the pencil's ability is. However, the artist will take that pencil to a completely different limit. Mm. It, will t- it will take it to an extreme. And I think that's what coaching is. It's almost like we've got that knowledge. That's fine. However, how can I apply that knowledge to this client? Because this client is showing me things, showing me symptoms, showing me information where this information doesn't fit. However, I've been told this information should fit. So it's understanding the link there and understanding, okay, fine, that, this scientific information might be useful to understand and to be aware of. However, each and every single person out there is so unique that you could almost even have identical twins as clients and you'd have to treat them completely separately because their, their, their psychology and their emotional connection to food and training and motivation in general would be different. Yeah, physics might be there, but yeah, psychology is totally different. Absolutely, and there, and that's where the difference between applying that scientific information comes from and not applying it, knowing when to apply it and when not to apply it. Um, and um, yeah, and that, that's really is the difference. You know, there, there are clients out there we 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 can tell you know that they can eat a donut and it's not going to be too bad. You know, but there are clients out there. There's no way I would even mention the word donut. You know, because it's going to cause a spiral of emotional. Yeah, because there are emotional attachments to that food. And unfortunately, you know, if you've grown up with words like diet and, you know, cheat and my treat meal and things like that, and they do have a negative association with people. And for some of them, it's, it's 
I know certainly for me in the past, it can it can open the floodgates. You know, if I'm going to have this one bad thing, that's it. I'm derailing myself for the whole weekend, and that's that's what we've got to deal with. Absolutely, destructive patterns and destructive mindsets. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, you mentioned a really good thing there about the word dieting having a negative connotation to it. I'll give you an example, of just how bad this is. When I first announced my seminar, I it was called "Confused about Dieting and Exercise?" question mark And I made a, a leaflet and um, and a, a flyer for it and, and other marketing material for it. And when I launched it, I didn't sell a single ticket for about three weeks. And I was so confused. I was like, "Why? Why is this?" And it got to the point where I asked people on my Facebook because, like, you know, loads of people have been asking me to do a seminar. I've done a seminar. Why? Why is no one buying a ticket? I mean, it was thirty quid. It was such a cheap price because it was my first ever seminar and uh and one lady plucked up the courage to tell me that because i included the word dieting into the headline that she thought i was selling a, a diet some form of um shake or something yeah and i thought did you not read the rest of it she's <laughs> like no i didn't get that far it was the word dieting that put me off so i then changed it to confused about nutrition and exercise question mark and i sold five tickets that day just because yeah. I changed one word. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just got that negative association. I think most people have in their head the word diet as well, a start and an end point, whereas hopefully what we're trying to encourage as coaches is encouraging a healthy eating pattern so people have that healthy relationship with food just to make smarter choices towards their goals, but at the same time being really realistic with what they, they can do. You know, I'm not going to suggest to someone to have cod and broccoli six times a day for two weeks. That's going to get results quick. But that's going to be a miserable process, and that's not going to be. They're not going to adhere to that long term. No, that's that's not a lifestyle, is it? And I think this is this is one of the battles that we face on a day to day basis. The notion that you know the clients are looking for a quick term fix. You know, they're looking. You know, if they're, they're three or four stone overweight, you know, they're looking for something which is going to you know dramatically reduce their body weight, body fat percentage by you know, a significant amount in a matter of you know a month or two. And we're constantly trying to push this notion of a lifestyle change which will have really good benefits in terms of health, nutrition, sleep, libido, and all these kind of uh, amazing things. Um, and body composition changes as a result of that, but it's not the primary focus, if you like. You know, the, I've always said, you know, your body will lose body fat if it becomes healthy. It's a byproduct of being healthy. Make yeah. someone healthy, and their body composition will change. Um, so it's this notion, we're not, we're not selling a quick fix, and that's what puts people off. They don't. They're, they're not. Some people aren't looking for a lifestyle change. Some people want that quick fix, and that's yeah. where the education is. It's the education of trying to teach people. Do you know what? You can look for that quick fix for the next ten years, but it ain't going to work. Mm. You're not going to find it because it's not in the long haul, are they? No, this is the thing. And again, it, it takes. It took me to this point because I, you know, before I got into all this, you know, uh, and again, you know my background and. You know, I was always looking for that quick fix as well. You know, I, I, I make fun of um, the time I fainted in Sainsbury's, you know, six or seven years ago, where I went on the carrot diet. Right. I had no, nothing but carrots for for a couple of days, and I fainted in Sainsbury's. And uh, and that's because you know I was de- I was desperate, I was miserable, I was unhappy. You know, I was trying. You know, and I read this thing in a, in a magazine that one of the um, one of the people on EastEnders went on this carrot diet to lose a stone. I was mm. like, oh, I'll try that. And it's this notion of desperation that trying to make this quick fix yeah um, the desperate people do desperate things and you know i have to 
totally so i do i do get it i understand why people do, do it but you know as you said it's through that educational process you can pro- probably open their eyes up to more realistic expectations rather than effect uh, expecting immediate results because you know you've got to think for the majority if we are talking about our our average show that's maybe two or three stone overweight it's taken them what 25 30 40 years to get where they are they can't possibly expect results in a week you know it's going to take some time with a team of coaches to help you with any goal fat loss increased muscle or performance related we can help you achieve anything danielwheeler.co.uk Absolutely. And, and the great thing about it is you can make good results in a relatively short period of time when we're talking about months. If you start talking about three, four, five, six months, you can kind of, you can, you can, I mean, you can get rid of two or three stone in that time period in a really healthy fashion. Um, but people don't want to know that in six months' time, I can undo the work I've done in 24 years. I want to take Herbalife because I can undo that in th- four weeks. So, and again, this is you know this is the ever increasing battle that we face. And again, let's let's come back to this topic of this Big Mac and this superfood salad. You know, the, the, there's a negative connotation here with the, the word diet. But as soon as you think of diet, what foods do you think of? Yeah, and it, I mean, he's got the comparison there as well. The, the clean and cheat. Again, as soon as you hear cheat, you've got that negative association. Oh, I've been bad, and I'm doing something wrong. Whereas, probably foods that I would associate with being cheap foods within a flexible eating pattern you can allow for a little bit of that and it's not cheating absolutely it's just part of having you know it's it's your sister's birthday or whatever having a bit of birthday cake you can make that fit in your day it's not gonna it's not gonna cause the building to collapse absolutely yeah and, and again it's that education it's knowing that isn't it it's it's knowing the moderation side of things and and kind of working it in i mean you couldn't have birthday cake every day that's that's just not that's just not realistic, and I don't think you'd want that. But it's it's this notion of cheating as well. This, as you said, you know, you, you're cheating on something. Therefore, there's a bad thing. So having a having a burger with chips is, has this negative connotation to it, but it also has this positive connotation to it because people want to eat the burger because they like the taste of the burger. But as soon as they have the burger, they've just thrown the whole week's worth of um, progress out the window, which isn't necessarily always the case. No, but unfortunately for some, if you do have an emotional attachment with food, that is the switch needed to kind of unlock the floodgates. And whereas you might, have, as a coach, put them in a position where they can just have a burger, you know, for the rest of the evening they're they're, they're gorging on junk food. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, when I was speaking, speaking to Phil Learning recently, he he he, um, he uh, said this really interesting uh, thing, and I think he, he mentions this in his seminar, and I'll give that a little plug. It's the Real Word Fatless seminar, which is, he's touring at the moment, so ch- check it out, phillearning.com. Uh, but he mentioned this notion that whenever he wants to, for his clients to have, if you like, a cheat meal, he'll go and get them to have a, uh, a burger and chips uh, compared to not having a pizza, for example, because we have this, we have this society... Um, embedded notion that you can't just have one slice of pizza you've got to eat the whole pizza and therefore from a caloric intake point of view having a whole pizza is what five six thousand calories whereas having a burger and chips you would never order two or three burgers and chips you always have a burger and chips and that would be considered a, a, a large meal and from a caloric in point it's a lot less than the pizza mm. and therefore it's actually probably going to have some good protein in there you know, it's a reasonable source of carbs in terms of potato. If you were to do it yourself or go to a really nice restaurant rather than a, a Burger King or 
McDonald's or something. Um, you know, it's actually a decent source of protein. It's a decent source of carbs, and you know they're probably going to have some veg on the side with it. Whereas if you go to Domino's or Pizza Express or whatever, you know, a large pizza you could easily quite quite easily put away put away four thousand calories because we can't just have one slice. So, so really, again, this then boils down to the emotional connection with foods, but not only the emotional connection, but the lifestyle habit of foods. Because I'm the same; I can't just have one slice of pizza. I've got to have the whole pizza. Oh no, I, I totally agree, and I think. Um... Certainly, I know there are foods I've got no halfway house with. So I, I do recognise that. And I think a lot of people are, are self-aware enough to know that, you know, nut butter, for me, for example, is one. <laughs> I literally have to portion control nut butter. And I can't bite on large portions because a teaspoon <laughs> will turn into a tablespoon will turn into half the pot. And, you know, a decent amount of calories on top of my day. So certain things, I think it's just being a bit self-aware of what you can and you can't get away with. And I think you raised a really good example there when you mentioned, you know, the burger at a restaurant. A burger from a restaurant, from a grass-fed cow, is going to be completely different to having a Big Mac that's been sitting there for five days. Yeah, absolutely. The nutritional profile is so... People listening to this, you have to realise the the way these big fast food giants work. Okay, They're, they're, They're creating these foods to sell as quickly as possible. But they also create them in such mass quantities that they sit in warehouses for months before they even get to the shop. And then they spend you know, weeks in transit from usually mass-produced over in America or Europe, and then they spread out to the other countries. So from manufacturing to actual shop, we're pro- you know, I don't know the exact figures, but you're looking at weeks, if not months. So these foods are specifically designed to last that long, so that when we buy, eventually cook them and buy them in the restaurant... You know they taste relatively fresh, and they you know they're they're, they're quite soft, and they 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 they're, they're nice to taste if you like. But the nutrition has been literally removed because when we talk about nutrition, we talk about micronutrients, 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 vitamins, minerals, but we also talk about enzymes, digestive enzymes, and enzymes within the food that we can process and digest. Whereas if you then compare to a chef-made restaurant burger and chips completely different it's so different because the meat's been in the fridge for a couple of days at the most it's probably been uh, bought from the butchers that morning um freshly from the chef he probably handpicked it himself he's cooked it himself he's prepared the veg himself that day he's prepared the chips that day it's all been made that day fresh yeah. and there's a reason it costs you know four times the price but it's going to give you a hundred times the nutrition it's going to give you a hundred times the benefits and it's going to taste a lot better as well. I think like most things in life, it's a, it's a case if you pay for what you get. You know, If you're going to buy a 30p, seven-day shelf-life loaf of bread, then, you know, you, again, you're paying for what you get. But whereas if you were to go towards probably one of the European or Mediterranean countries where bread is cooked that morning, it goes off by the afternoon, that's going to have a diff- different amount of enzymes in it to something that's been sitting on the shelf for seven, week, seven days. Of course, absolutely. And even this notion that... Um, you know, Tesco value bread, for example, you know, the, the value bread that lasts, you know, two, two weeks on the shelf. You know, there's a reason these things can last a long time because they've removed the nutrition from it, literally, uh, because they're trying to sell it for 9p a loaf, whatever it is. Whereas you go down the, down the local bakery, it's got, you know, fresh yeast in there. It's got the, um, the, the fresh flour and the salts and the sugars and whatever, whatever other ingredients are in, in proper bread. It tastes so much different. There's such a different taste and therefore quality of nutrition you get from fresh bread that people don't necessarily understand this notion that they've got these gluten intolerances and it's not necessarily down to the fact that they can't tolerate gluten it's just all this other shit that they're eating as well 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I think that's, um, you know, almost been a coined new diet to be... Everyone is apparently gluten intolerant. Well, it isn't. You know, some people are just sensitive to it. Some people, it's just in their head, unfortunately. Do you know what? The, uh, I read an amazing statistic. Um, this was a couple of weeks back. Um, less than 3% of the nation has a medical gluten intolerance, but yet 30% of the nation buy gluten-free products. Yeah, because uh, for whatever reason, again, it's something we've been conditioned to believe that gluten-free products are healthy. You know, whether it's a gluten-free brownie, unfortunately, a brownie, and excuse my language, is still a freaking brownie. (laughs) Gluten-free or not. (laughs) There's a great... um... There's a great little photo meme of Gordon um, Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen, and it, it's, it's got "I don't fucking care." A cake is still a fucking cake. It's true. <laughs> it is true. You know, it's this notion of again. You know, we're talking about nutrition. You know, there's not much nutrition in a cake. It tastes great. Don't get me wrong, and you can make it fit in a, in a macro profile. But let's look at the nutrition. You know, your body's going to get a hell of a lot more from a homemade cottage pie, for example, than it is a slice of cake. I do love our little rants. <laughs> I've, I was quite conscious of it, actually. I'm just thinking, has this just turned into a rant? <laughs> Is there any information here at all? I actually, I, I almost forgot we were recording this for, for a few seconds. A minute, a minute. We, as soon as we started talking about the Gordon Ramsay thing, and I swore, I was like, oh, bollocks, I'm swearing. Oh, fuck it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey. So, uh, so what's going on in the world of Dan Osman, man? Let's, uh, let's plug something for you. Let's, let's see if we can... Get some followers over to your base. Um, just trying to keep busy, really. I've got a few. Um, as, you know, I like to keep myself busy in terms of. I like to think I work with quite a broad range of clientele. I've got a few athletes. I've got a few physique competitors, and but as you said, a large proportion of just average Joe and average Joe. I love working with because every individual is different and um, it keeps you on your toes. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean. I would say 90% of my clientele is average Joe. You know, we've got, it's a pleasure working with athletes. I do enjoy working with athletes because they're genetic freaks and you can have a lot of fun in terms of pushing the boundaries with them. Um, but when it comes to average Joe, you, you almost have to form a friendship and a connection with each and every single one of them because you have to get to know their life and everything about them almost because that's how you're going to get results. If you don't know what's going on in their life, if you don't know they're going through a divorce or they've been fired from work or they've been made redundant or they've got a kid coming on the way or any of this information, how can you possibly expect to know the stress levels and therefore be able to dictate a training and nutrition program? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to know your clients as much as possible. I mean, you know, I like to think I know all the kids' names of my clients. You know, I will know birthdays are coming up and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, that's all really important stuff, I think, to keep people on track. And you've got to get on with the people you work with. Otherwise, what's the point? It, it, it's about motivation, right? You know, if we can motivate our clients, they can do extraordinary things. And, um, you know, sending a text is as minute as it sounds. Telling a client to wish their son a happy birthday or um, congratulations, their GCSEs, whatever it may be, will boost that client's confidence so much the fact that you understand them and you haven't forgotten or that information that they told you last week you actually remembered. It's just another form of motivation. Well, and more than anything, it shows you care, which I like to think I do. I do care about my clients as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. It's not cheesy, it's professional. (laughs) We we live and breathe our clients' lives. That's, That's how we make progress. That's how you and I are able to... You know, without sounding arrogant, boast these 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 great you know client cases. You know the fact that we put the effort in, and you know you get the results from your clients, and uh, that's what drives your business. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On the note of your business, Dan, what is your website address? How can people get in contact with you? My website is actually going through a little bit of a revamp now. I'll give you it anyway. It's www.aceperformance.co.uk. Awesome. And what about Facebook? How can people find you on Facebook? I've got a long-winded name for this one. I'm going to have trouble remembering it. It's something like Dan Osman, Strength Coach, Nutritionist, something along those lines. But generally, if you search Dan Osman, I will pop up there somewhere. Um, and I have, I've got a business page on Facebook. Oh, Dan underscore Osman on Twitter. Awesome. Um, uh, have you got Instagram? Are you up to date with the kids, the cool kids? I'm down with the kids. Um, that's Ace underscore Dan. Ace for, underscore Dan. So aceperformance.co.uk, was that? Yes, and Dan underscore Osman for Twitter and Ace underscore Dan for Instagram. Yes. Awesome. Uh, guys, if you're listening to this, I highly recommend you give Dan a follow. Um, him and I are very like-minded. Um, and uh, if you like some of the stuff I put out, you'll 100% like the, like the stuff Dan puts out. And we both have the same name, so that's an even cooler reason. <laughs> I don't post quite as many selfies as you, though, Dan. That is true. That is true. That's something I need to work on with you. You need to get better at that. I know. I'm a bit camera shy. <laughs> um, and also, we should probably give BAA a plug here because we're both part of the team and we're both on the... Uh, um, both recently been taken up by the, by the awesome team. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think it's important to give them a shout-out. Um, so, if you're not aware, I think I mentioned this in my last blog, uh, the last podcast, uh, video blog I mentioned. Um, but the, the Dan and I have um, uh, very humbled to uh, been asked by uh, be an athlete apparel, a BAA apparel, to, to join their team and promote the brand uh, and the clothing. So, definitely give those uh, guys a shout out. Uh, we've both been fans of the, of the brand for a very, very long time. Uh, before we were asked to, to, to come on board, so um, it's uh, they're, they're very good clothing. So so give them a go. I think is it baaapparel.com. I think is the website address. Yeah, and Twitter I think is at uh, baa apparel. Cool. And I think um, there's we're, we, we, we're meeting up with the, t- the team in April to celebrate their second birthday. And I think we're going to be doing some pretty cool um, social media campaigns. So you should see mine and Dan's ugly mug. On a few photos and a few videos coming soon, so that should be quite cool. Awesome, Dan. Well, look, man, it's been as ever a pleasure to uh, to yeah, chat. Yeah, very kind of you for inviting me on, Dan. I do appreciate it. It's nice to have a catch up. Not at all. I think I think we should have you as a regular guest. I think what we'll do is off the back of this, when I put this up, I'll I'll put up a, a question, see if anyone has some questions for for both of us, and we'll we'll do a follow up in a couple of months' time, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll answer some of those questions. I think it'll be quite quite good fun. Happy to. Awesome, Dan. Well, look, man, take care, stay safe, and we'll speak up soon. Yeah, thanks for your time, Dan. Speak soon. Cheers. Welcome to the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. All we do is change lives.